Hello and welcome back to the next episode of Conversation Metro, episode five this week. Uh, we, we've got a guest on this week. I met uh, my junior year of high school. We met through theater, um, got to be close friends. Then last year um, when I went off to college, kind of we, we still talked, but not as much. And then this year uh, came to the same school as me. We are now we're now brothers in Sigma Alpha Epsilon. Uh, my guest this week, Garrett Witten. Uh, what's up, guys? This is Garrett. Uh, I'm hoping it'll be a good day to be on. Yeah. So uh, before we get into things, just a, the same reminder every week, there'll be a Q&A on Spotify. Uh, respond to that poll. You can use it as a comment section if you have a thought, or you can answer the question. Just kind of way to interact. Um, they'll always, I'll always be interacting with a listener uh, from every episode, so if you reply, you could be that person on a future episode. So we're going to go ahead and jump on into it. The same start as every week, question of the podcast. This week, the question is, what is your definition of living your life to the fullest? So, Garrett, I'll let you go ahead, give your answer first, and then and then uh, we can talk about that and then go into mine. Okay, well, this is kind of a, a interesting question because living life to the fullest is going to depend, you know, what, I guess, what you value as a person. Uh, what my living life to the fullest may not be the same as yours, but I think a general... Uh, like a general, like everyone can kind of agree to me, living life to the fullest is being intentional in what you do daily. So like your habits or beneficial habits, you know, habits that are improving who you are, whether as a person or a goal you have. And while you're doing those things, you need to be surrounded by the people you love and the people who love you. And I think even if life isn't going great or it is going great, if you're doing those two things daily, I think you're living your life to the fullest because if you look at life on too big of a scale, you're going to lose your perception of closeness. Like, I don't know, do you ever find yourself like you're focused on something so far in the distance that you like forget to like enjoy where you're at or uh, have a, you know, have good experiences with what is given to you in that moment versus way down the line. Absolutely. So I, think, I think being intentional with your daily task and surrounded by people you love and who love you is li- is living your life to the fullest, in my opinion. Dude, I'll be okay. So I didn't know what you were coming with, but that was not what I was expecting. But I love that answer. It's also, <laughs> I'll be honest, a little bit of a cop out without actually answering it because you didn't give like specifics about you. But I, but I love it. I appreciate it because mm-hmm. I think it's one that like either people are conscious of and are like, yeah, what he said, he's right. Or if someone isn't, or they're in a moment where they're like forgetting about those things Mm. those are probably the two most important things is like be intentional about building good habits and be intentional about surrounding yourself by people who encourage those habits and encourage being good and whatever results from that doesn't matter because those are the things that make life worth living essentially well and that's exactly it because i mean being like i said when i kind of first started answering being intentional can look so different for everyone uh you know as a college student living my life to the fullest is going to classes, you know, getting a grade, studying hard, learning the material as it's presented. But 20 years from now, living my life to the fullest isn't going to include going to classes. But I think no matter where you're at in your life, whether it's you, you've just had a crazy high, you're on a new job, you love it, family's going perfectly, or you've just gotten canned, things are going south. But if you're being intentional in your habits, you're going to be better every day. Even on the bad days, if you're still getting up and making your bed, getting up and and taking care of yourself, putting on a good outfit, clean clothes, you know, just good intentional habits. That's only going to help you live your life to the fullest in the long run. And it's going to give you kind of a a base. Like, you know, the pyramids aren't built on sand. They're built on solid foundation. And in doing those things daily, 
you build your you you build your solid foundation so you can build on top of it. I have never heard that saying, mm-hmm. but that's great. The it's not built on sand. It's, it's dang, rock. Yeah, that was nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing I've been. I mean, I don't I don't think I mentally worded it the same, but that's one thing I've been trying to do better at. Is like I have a like hand written planner now, and I write out what I want to do at the beginning of the week on Sunday. I have all the things I need to do, and I try to schedule up days they can happen, and then every day. I cross off things as I do them, and every morning I make sure that my like to do list for that day has mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is being intentional because I was just kind of doing stuff, and I still think there's a lot of room for me to grow. I still like I do a lot of things, and I don't know if all of them are things I need to do to like grow as a person mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I'm trying to be at least more conscious, and it, it also helps with like downtime. If I have 20 minutes, I don't go. All right, I'm gonna take these 20 minutes to watch TikTok. Mm-hmm. I go. I'm gonna take these 20 minutes. I want to get this thing done. Yes. And like I think it's making me be. A better person even on those bad days like you said i'm like damn today sucked but you know what i did i got all my things mm-hmm, on my to-do exactly. list done and that that's something for me to be be happy about well and there's like there's multiple studies that talk about having a list and just like the satisfying feeling of like check marking off or crossing off something after doing it is like it it's a uh, i think it releases some serotonin i could be way wrong <laughs> but it releases something in yeah. your brain basically that it's like like you kind, you kind of, you cherish that feeling. You're uh-huh. like, hey, like I, I did it. I was successful. I completed the task. So I'm going to go do one more. I still have 15 more minutes. Yeah. And so you didn't get something else done. And I think you hit the nail on the head. The amount of times I found myself, oh, I'm just so busy. I have no time. But then I sit around and like play mm-hmm. Apex for an hour. Yeah. You know, I'm waiting for class to start. So I'm just going to scroll through TikTok for 25 minutes. Yeah. Instead of like 25 minutes is a lot of time to get some smaller things you need to get done in your day done. And so using those breaks intentionally I feel like I'm so much more productive. Yeah. I also felt like I was really busy because the end of days and end of weeks, I felt like I was having to do a lot of stuff to cram in. But now that I'm writing it out, I can spread it out throughout the week more and throughout the day because instead of using those 20 minutes for class mm-hmm. for on my phone, I used it to finish this one assignment. Mm-hmm. So then later at 10 PM, instead of having four assignments, I got one and a half left to do. Exactly. And, and things like that. And like, it's also, there was a day the other day, I didn't get one of my things done on my task list. And it was like a point where I couldn't do it. Like that hurt. I was like, I don't want that to happen again. No, exactly. And so, and I have it. That was like five days ago, four days ago. And every single day since then, I've gotten everything checked off because I hate, like I, I was like mad at myself. I was like, like, dang, I didn't get that, that assignment done or I didn't get the reading that I was supposed to do. And like, it wasn't for a grade. So before I had the planner, I would have been like, oh well. But mm-hmm. then on Friday, I got four more, four readings to do because every day I was like, yeah, I'll just do it tomorrow. Yep. I'll just do it tomorrow. Yep. And so... Yeah, that, that kind of in-person planners has helped me live my life to the fullest to kind of to kind of bring it back around. Yeah, and I think that's being intentional. And I think the second half of that is you got to be surrounded by great people, at least. And I think why I say people you love and people who love you, because if they love you, they might not always be, they might not always tell you what you want to hear. And they're not always going to, may not always give you exactly what you want. I mean, there's times where I ask, you know, whether it's someone in the fraternity or someone back home for advice or for what they think. And they tell me the honest answer and it sucks hearing the honest answer because it's not what I wanted to hear. But I would so much rather have people in my corner who love me enough to be honest than people who would maybe be like, hey, you're doing great. No, you're killing it. And in reality, I'm making a fool of myself or I'm, I'm not carrying myself in a manner that I know I'm capable of. And so that's why being surrounded is the second part of that. Plus, it helps keep you on track. I know it's really motivating to me. Like for example, the gym, I I try to go to the gym. I I try to be active. That's something for the last year, me and my friends have all tried to do together. So days that I'm like, "Eh, I'm too tired. I have a test today. And then one of my friends sends a picture in our group chat and he's at the gym lifting 
you know, more weight than I can was yeah. like, shoot, I got to, yeah. if he can do it, I can, I mean, I'm not going to let him beat me. So yeah. I got to get up and do it. And that's just that circle that pushing one another. And I think with those two things, that's, that's the, that's the foundation to live your life to the fullest. Yeah. And I feel like one thing that I like about having a close knit circle, like, yeah, I like the motivation, pe- having people in my corner, but I always grew up very worried about if people judged me and wanting people to like who I w- or like me, not necessarily like me for who I was. And so now when I only have people who care about me for me, it's, it's, I think it's a Dr. Seuss quote, but it's those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. So like those who are important to me, they don't care like who I am, no, I like but, that. and those who do, they don't matter. Like mm-hmm. obviously I'm not just going to like be rude to people who are my close friend for kind sure. of a thing, but I don't need them to be in my close circle and I don't need to justify my actions mm-hmm. to the people that don't matter to me. Like, I, I like to be a pleasant person. I don't want to be someone people don't like, but I don't need to be someone everyone loves. And that's one thing that I've learned over the past, honestly, probably since COVID happened, um, sort of during like senior year of high school, but I was just like, I stopped caring what people that weren't my close circle mm-hmm. mattered. And I think that has made me a better person for it. Like that has made me more happy in my day-to-day life and things like that. No, for sure. That's good. I really like the way you said that. The the matter don't mind one. Yeah, doctor. No, no, yeah. The, I mean, shout out Doctor Do- Seuss. <laughs> I I didn't know that was his quote until I was looking up lines for our one act play. Okay. When I was okay. looking up Doctor Seuss quotes, I, uh-huh. I, I I've known the saying for years. Didn't know it was Doctor Seuss. No. I, also, yeah. he's not a doctor. He just gave himself that name, then got himself honorary yeah. doctorates because he got right. so famous. He was, he was, he's like Dr. Dre. He was spitting rhymes <laughs> before it was cool, so yeah. he was like, I'm not just Seuss anymore. I'm yeah. Dr. Seuss. Yeah, no, yeah. He's, got, he's got a nuts name, and none of it includes doctor. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. I but I feel, like, I feel like that kind of wraps up the live life to the fullest. I don't know where I expected it to go, but it wasn't there. Like, I expected, like, living my life to the fullest is gym four days a week getting all my studying done, this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a better answer. Well, I think it's just, I think if, if you're, because okay, with living life to the fullest, we're talking about 80, 85 years of life. What are, what are things that you can do, whether you're six years old, 15, 25, 35, 80, you know, what, what can you do daily? And there's going to be a point in your life where going to the gym five times a week is physically impossible. You yeah. physically can't handle that. Your body can't, but you can still be intentional with your small task and still be surrounded by people you love and who love you. So I think my answer is more not a, not a, I didn't take it as in my life right now. What can we do? I took it more as like a life in general, this crazy mess, hodgepodge thing of life. What can I, what can someone do daily, no matter where they're at in life, whether they're, like I said, high is high, low is low daily to still be living their life to the fullest. Yeah. And I think your, your definition can adapt to anyone's time because right now your small intentional habits are this much time for studying this for the gym this for friends and stuff like that but as you're older or you have a job Mm -hmm. you can't realistically go to the gym at 2 p.m every day but you can go to the gym if that's a habit you need Mm -hmm. or you can do you can cook four days a week for yourself and stuff like that so yeah i think it it adapts Mm -hmm. to wherever someone is at in life for sure well like being in a long distance relationship with you know having a girlfriend who's not in town most of the time my, you know, my living life to the fullest is being around friends and being around, you know, uh, my fraternity brothers and, and you guys just having fun, hanging out. But the second she comes into town, my whole, you know, <laughs> whole priorities flip. And that's not to be like, hey, screw off, guys. I don't like yeah. you anymore. That's just that's three days I finally have with her. Mm-hmm. So then my living life to the fullest is just being with her for that because yeah. that's three days in the month and then I'll see her next month. So yeah. it's just 
that's a great example of how even just a weekend, like a Friday to a Saturday, how quick what living life to the fullest can look like. Mm-hmm. Just once a situation changes or looks different, you're going to react differently. And your, your mindset of, okay, I want to live this day to the fullest is going to be completely different on a daily basis for sure. Yeah. So I feel like right now is a very good time to transition to this next segment because it's going to connect very, very easily and very quickly. And the next section is one I do every week where it's the one thing to know about my guest because I, I like the original thought was it with this was for the guest to come. Like you would be like, if there's one thing for you to know, but I feel like people will always sell themselves short. I feel like you would be like, Oh, like, I don't know. I guess if I had to say one thing, I'm left-handed. but like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'm left-handed and like I live sometimes, oh, yeah. but like I've been to the gym before, like for me, I can take it as a moment to compliment them in a way I haven't or talk about something that they wouldn't brag about or something like that. And that's kind of what I did this week. Although I feel like you maybe would say this answer, but maybe not every time. But my answer would be that you are extremely charismatic. And I think this is something that carries over through everything you do and in very different ways. Because being charismatic in a calculus class is different from being charismatic in like a very social and hangout setting. But no matter where you are, you are charismatic. And I think it's shown in this podcast for anyone that doesn't know you, you are charismatic and you're passionate and you're charismatic in how you care for people. You're charismatic in just the way you talk and and it carries over through everything. And I, I've kind of done this with every guest is I found a way to say one thing that says a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think this is one of those things. And I still think it sells you short because I think sometimes when people think charismatic, they think extroverted, loud, talkative, all these things. And while I think that's accurate to you, I don't think it's accurate to you at all times, Mm -hmm. but I think it is the most accurate thing to describe you in, in a, like a short way. Yeah. No, I definitely was a little, I was a little nervous. I didn't know, especially when you were like, well, I texted Kylie. So let's, I was like, oh gosh, I hope. <laughs> but no, I think that's a pretty, I think I was just blessed in my life to interact with a lot of people who were charismatic. I mean, both of my parents are two of the nicest people I know, uh, especially my mom. She just really taught me from a young age, like just kindness all the time. Um, and it's hard. I, I appreciate you saying I'm charismatic because there's definitely days where I, I look in the mirror and I feel like I was just rude to everyone all day or I was unpleasant to be around all day. And But I, I definitely try and I try to be intentional and I try to place myself. Uh, I feel like I do a pretty good job with empathy because sympathy is looking at someone and being like, oh, like I feel bad for them. Empathy is being able to be like, okay, what would it be like if I was going through mm-hmm. that? And so I think I, I do a pretty good job of placing myself in someone's shoes and trying to see it from, because it's easy to look from the outside and be like, well, that situation sucks. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so much harder to put yourself in that situation and try to understand all the factors that go into it, you know? Yeah. And I also think with charismatic being such a, I, like a, a, it's a word that if you are labeled as charismatic, you feel a lot of responsibility to be that thing. And I think the the easiest re- way to relate it is if you if you call someone the funny guy, I think sometimes they feel the need to always be the funny guy. Mm-hmm. And I think charismatic is one of those words. But I think you do a good job of showing it in different ways. And like you don't, I don't think you pressure yourself to always have to be loud and hold a conversation and be like that if you're not in the mood. But it doesn't mean you're not going to be empathetic and charismatic, mm-hmm. just not going to be in the same way. And I think that's one thing that some, I don't know if everyone is conscious of, but being labeled as something doesn't mean you always have to be that thing if you aren't in the mood. And it doesn't mean you have to be that thing in the same way. Like if I'm labeled as the guy who talks a lot, there's some days 
they're not that often, but I don't feel like talking a lot. And so, but sometimes I feel like if I don't, who's gonna and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so I think you, at least from my perspective, do a decent job at changing how you are charismatic. So you don't get burnt out at, as, mm-hmm. as always being the same kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously you and I have had the running gag the last few days about my new year's resolution is for me to, to be quieter. Yeah. But, uh, a, a serious thing, uh, that kind of comes with that is I noticed over uh, winter break when I would hang out with some of my friends back home if we were in a, a group and I was t- if I if I was in a talkative mood then I would talk and mm-hmm. they would listen and I would just keep talking and they would keep listening and they would chime in but I, I, I don't I think it finally clicked one time I was sitting there and I challenged myself for the next 15 minutes to just not talk to just hear the room see what was going on and let because I think silence makes people uncomfortable and that's especially prevalent with both you and I. That's why we talk so much is because when it does get quiet, it, you know, it's just, it's just weird. It's an eerie silence. You want to fill the space with something. But I, I remember when I was back home and I let the silence fill the room, I, I, some of my friends started to talk about things and, and they were having conversations and I just had never heard them speak that way. And to me, it was such an eye opener of, you know, they were never mad at me. It wasn't like they were like, well, dang, Garrett can't shut his freaking mouth so I can never talk. Like, they didn't mind. We were laughing. We were joking. But when they finally had the floor and there was no one to, like, cover the cover the silence and they could just talk, yeah. I was like, dang, like, so much perspective was gained. And especially now coming back, my roommate is definitely, uh, in his words, he's quiet. He doesn't, yeah. he's not a very talkative person. And that's, that's okay. He's a great roommate. But there are times where him and I like go to eat. Like yesterday we were eating and I looked up and he was done and I had half my food and I was like, dang, you ate fast. And he looked at me and he goes, well, Garrett, I don't talk. I eat. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what's well, fair? Like, you know, here I've been blabbing for the last five minutes. I've yeah. had one piece of food in my mouth. And, mm-hmm. and so it, it challenged me to, you know, in a situation where you're so uncomfortable, you're trying to find noise. What if you just didn't and you let other people do that? Because then you start to see sides to other people and they start to get more comfortable to share things that you maybe wouldn't have found out if you were just blabbing through it the whole time, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, that's one thing is like, if you get past that little bit of awkwardness of awkward of the silence, when it's filled by other people that don't normally have to, it's, it's different. And it's not always necessarily better. Some people will fill it with something that is just kind of nonsense, mm-hmm. but even that's okay. Like if you're hanging out with friends, you don't need to be having like quality, deep conversation at all times. Not and all so time. I definitely, I still don't like silence. I still fill oh, the silence quite a bit, but sometimes I do, I do the same thing where I try to be conscious of that, mm-hmm. of filling that silence. Mm-hmm. Um, also I went back and checked when I texted Kylie, she had, she had used the word charismatic in her text, which is what made me think of that. But she also added that you are one of the easiest people to talk to and one of the people that loves the most. And I think those are both also very accurate things. I don't know anyone that you've ever not been able to have a conversation with. And I don't, that's not necessarily like a deep like character trait or anything. You're just, you're good at figuring out what to talk about and stuff like that. And then like loving so much, I think is super accurate. It's like, if you are committed to loving something, loyal to something, you are going to commit to that thing. You're not just gonna be like, oh, I love that thing. And then just let that be. Like you're going to show that love. You're going to commit that love. And I, I've seen a lot this year with SAE. Like you very quickly stepped in and you showed why you cared about it so much. And I see it with Kylie and I see it with your friendships and, and all of those things. I think in regards to talking, some people think like picking up a conversation is really hard. If you're ever trying to spark a conversation with someone, ask them open-ended questions. Because, I mean, 
some people are just that rude that they'll just literally walk away and be like, I don't want to talk to you. And if they do, and maybe there's something, you know, be empathetic. Like I said, maybe there's something going on that you don't know about. But asking someone an open-ended question forces them to respond. And especially when it's open-ended, they have to elaborate. What are you majoring in? Well, I'm majoring in this. Well, what do you want to do with that? Yeah. I mean, they can't just be like, I want a job. I mean, they can, and that's rude. But like, typically, if you ask someone that, I mean, they're going to tell you because it's about them. And so once you get, and then once they kind of open up a little bit, if you can connect even on just a very surface level thing, then you have a connection. You and a guy both like the same sport, there's a connection. You, you and a girl both like the same coffee place, there's a connection. Yeah. And once you find those connections, find things you both like talking about, and then I feel like a conversation isn't, isn't hard to strike up following that. Yeah, I mean, people like to talk about themselves, whether, whether they admit it or not, exactly. and that, not even in like an egotistical way, but if someone has a reason they have their major and they want their job and they're doing that, whatever activity, or they're at that place and they want to talk about it, like, especially if they haven't gotten the opportunity to, but even if they have, like, they get to talk about that. And I feel like if you're talking to someone, you have to have something in common. At the very least, you're at the same place for some reason, even if it's not the same reason. But like right now, if I run into someone on campus, we're both at Wichita State can't avoid that fact. No, exactly. Even if, even if they're not a student, I could run into a teacher that's here. Mm-hmm. We're at Wichita State. Mm-hmm. That like you just start there and, and go. I I'll be honest. This might sound this might come off weird. I don't understand when people are like I don't know how to have a conversation. I understand not knowing how to with certain people. Oh yeah. But like having a conversation, honestly sometimes with people you don't know is super easy. Mm-hmm. Like you can have like four questions that you just always ask to people. Mm-hmm. And just know that one of them could will probably lead somewhere, and oh, that's it. Sure. Like it's, uh, here, you, we we said it. Major, what do you want to do with it? Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Why do you what do you do? What activities you're in? Yeah, like those four, one of them has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And and, like, and guys, if it doesn't, then they probably don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to say it nicely, but like if you if you're sitting there, there because there are times in a conversation, even with someone I would have considered even like a friend, and I'm asking questions and I'm trying, and they're just I can't get. I can get a yes and a no out of them if I'm lucky. And if that's the case, then, all right, man, well, I'll see you later. And just let it be because, yeah. I mean, don't stand. You know, I think sometimes people get caught and it's awkward. You know, I'm just standing there and it's silent. And I'm waiting for one of us to talk. And if, if the conversation's not going anywhere, you don't have to sit there and wait. You can just be like, all right, well, I got a class. I got, I mean, don't lie, but I got to be somewhere. I got to go back to my room. I, you know, just yeah. and excuse yourself from the conversation. Don't Don't sit around and just okay, well, now that it's unbearably awkward, I think I'm going to leave. That's like, true. I do think there are social cues that aren't aren't difficult to see, but no, if, if you see someone closing off or like trying to walk away or answering in no more than three words, they probably don't want to talk mm-hmm. right then. And that's and that's fine. Don't exactly. take it personally. Even like it could be the person you are closest to in life. They won't always, every single time you want to talk, they want to talk. Because I guarantee no one listening and neither of us have always wanted to talk to people. There are times where we just want to be on our own or we want to get somewhere and don't want to talk to someone mm-hmm. that's fine literally everyone has that we're all we all are going to do something and if you're not i mean like you don't always have to want to have a conversation is basically where i was getting at no, i totally agree i think that's totally fair i do appreciate though love's heart i, I think that's a a good way to describe it because i feel like if you know me i'm definitely not someone who's just like like i'm gonna meet you and i'm gonna be respectful i'm gonna be nice but i'm not gonna like I'm not just going to all of a sudden be like, okay, we're best friends, like besties for the resties, like let's let's go, like we're the best. But when I meet someone, if, if we start to build that connection and I do start to care and I start to, you know, we open up to one another, I mean, 
it, I'm one of those friends that can be annoying to have because I'm, I feel like I'm always kind of there. And it's like, <laughs> and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, that I guess that depends how you interpret it. But like, look at the six, for example, you yeah. and Sully are roommates. I, I love both you guys as brothers. So I threw my PS4 in there and was over there like four yeah. times a week yeah. last semester. You slept there last weekend. Yeah, like you just, was... you just slept on our couch just cause just to hang out. Mm-hmm. And like, that was cool. And that's like, so that's like, so if you if you like that, then you probably enjoy having me as a friend. But I'm sure there's some people who are like, I can't get him to leave me alone, and that's probably fair because yeah. you probably can't. So yeah, no, that, I think it's true. I think very quickly when you realize you like care about something, mm-hmm. your your mannerisms change. Because like when you first came to Wichita State, even when you were like wanting to join SAE, when you didn't know people, like you were there and you were trying to learn. But that that versus two months later when you knew you cared and you knew you wanted to be involved, very different. I and totally like, agree. I, I don't know when the change happened, but it happened within a, a decently quick amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very helpful because someone like that, if you if you have a bunch of people that are passionate about things they care about, that thing that they care about is going to be, be done extremely, extremely well. And if no one does or not enough people do, like that thing just won't go well. And so I think even if it can be overwhelming or annoying sometimes to have someone like that, Granted, I'm also kind of like that, so I don't think I'd be as I don't think I get annoyed by it because I know it. But like, I would much rather have a million people like that than a million people that don't do that because it's gonna be better for the thing that they love. I totally agree. Yeah, I think that's a really good way. Yeah. Once again, because I'm just killing the segues between segments this week. I think this goes very well into the, (laughs) the the third and final segment of my advice of the podcast. I don't think I've done this since the first episode, and the first episode. My advice was have a purpose. It has been written up on me and my roommate's whiteboard since that, since that like two months ago or whatever it was. It, it, it was have a purpose in everything you do and it kind of came up this week. My advice for this episode is to be kind. And I think this should just be a known thing. You don't have to be overbearing or loving or super caring about every single thing. But if you are kind in everything you do, if everyone was kind, the world would be so much better for it. And I think sometimes maybe I take this too far. I'm too worried about being kind and being nice and avoiding conflict. But I would much rather be too kind than not kind enough. Because people I'm friends with, I love and I care for. But even people I don't know, I am kind to. I'm nice to. Today I talked to my literature of sports teacher for like two, three minutes after class because I asked him if he'd read this book that I had to read in English in high school. And then we talked about that book for two minutes. And like, it was just a kind conversation. I'm not going to go hang out with Clinton Jones. He's a professor at Wichita State. But I was kind to him in that moment. And that's going to, and he, he told, he was like, hey, I appreciate you like wanting to be engaged and bringing up that book. And like, I, I feel like I could leave today and feel like I made his day a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And like, why would you not want to make people's day a little bit better? Because like, that's, I don't know, my living my life to the fullest, if I had had a definition, would also be to be someone everyone has a positive view of. It almost goes against what I said earlier because like it, like it's close, but I think the mindset of how I think of it is what helps because you don't need everyone to be your best friend or even a friend, Mm -hmm. but if people don't have a good view of you, that probably means they have a bad view of you Mm -hmm. or they don't know you, but like that doesn't factor into this. But like if you're kind to everyone you meet, if someone thinks, oh, Spencer Hare, oh yeah, that was a nice dude that helped me that one day in public speaking two and a half years ago Mm -hmm. and they'll remember that. And that'll be better for you, and you'll have made their day better. And you'll be one less person that stresses them out, and one more person that made their day a little bit better. And maybe you're really kind to someone, just you go, hey, that, that thing, or thanks for helping me for that, that equation to math. Mm-hmm. Then later that day, 
they they were having an awful day, but they were like, hey, that 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 random dude mm-hmm. took his t- took time of his day to appreciate me, and you made their bad day a million times better. And it's like, I I always want to be kind, and I've kind of I've kind of gone in circles, but it's like if I had a philosophy in life, it would be to be kind mm-hmm. and to have a purpose. And, and whenever I do this segment a third time, I'll add that to my philosophy <laughs> so that I seem a little more right. But like, but like it, it really is. And I, and I like to think everyone that knows me has seen that we have like yes. shown. No, we have for sure. Awesome. That's good. <laughs> Not lying to myself. No, I love that your advice was be kind. Cause it reminded me, uh, if I, I went to Stonegate elementary in Raymore, which uh-huh. in our, our school motto, I don't know if you guys had school models in elementary school was be kind work hard that was like the four words that like we would say our little because you, know, you would say the the pledge of allegiance yeah. at the beginning of the day and then it was like all right stingrays be kind and then like all the kids would be like work hard or, ah, it was some, something yeah. you know but those were the four words and so when i saw be kind i thought it would be funny if my advice was work hard but then i was like yeah i'd probably come up with something better yeah. than that no but i think be kind is, is great advice um and i think you kind of hit the nail on the head just if it's two to three minutes. If someone had 23 hours and 57 minutes of a horrible day, let the two to three minutes they were with you that their day maybe yeah. wasn't so horrible. Because that means it wasn't 100% bad. Mm-hmm. Like you were you were something to, to make that number just a little bit smaller. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and I'm glad to hear you say that you see that because sometimes I think it's also what you try to do and what you ideally are. Mm-hmm you're not always conscious of those little times that it slips up. So like hearing that someone else agreed is like a little bit of confirmation that at least it works enough. No, that, it definitely that, that it's seen. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's not perfect, but no yeah. one is. And so that's where we, you just keep working. Um, I think to kind of my, my, the advice that stuck out to me, you know, I kind of debated what I wanted to, to say because I feel like, and I don't have a ton of wisdom. I'm only 19, but there's also like those, those life experiences. And I think the biggest thing is, is I see so often, you know, both in personal relationships and just in the world, if if you're wanting to make a change, if, if you're wanting something to change about your life, your characteristics, your your mannerisms, anything, if you're trying to make a change and you don't feel uncomfortable, you're either setting your bar too low or you're not trying hard enough to make that change. Because when you're stuck in a in a habit, breaking it's gonna be uncomfortable. Like I, I think a big example is the gym. The Going to the gym six times a week to lift or to run or to you know keep yourself in shape isn't comfortable. It's not the easy thing to do. But when you get uncomfortable and you get out of your comfort zone, you start going four times a week. Well, then four times a week, now let's get uncomfortable again. Let's go five. Let's get uncomfortable again. Let's go six. Okay, now we're going six times a week. But now let's try to start. I want to start training every muscle group twice a week on top of that. I want to get more uncomfortable. So when you're looking, if you're unhappy with where you are or how things are going, you know, whether that's gym, school, career, relationship, friendships, I mean, all across the board, if you want things to change, it has to be uncomfortable. I mean, my girlfriend and I in high school really struggled to, to get, to become adults in our relationship. We, we had a very childish relationship that I didn't handle very well mentally and matured in, in my maturity. And she would say the same, although I think she's great. So I'm not going to say that about her, but, um, when we started to change, it got uncomfortable. I had to start saying things to her and telling her things that were uncomfortable. She started, we started to have conversations that were uncomfortable and even a little gut wrenching. Cause when you're hearing those things and, and those things are happening, it, it's hard. It's not, it just, it just isn't comfortable. That's just how it is. But 
when you get comfortable being uncomfortable, that's when things start changing because Facts. you have to be uncomfortable. If you fall back into comfort, life doesn't change. It, yeah. It's the same what's comfortable. Get comfortable being uncomfortable, I feel like would be my advice to give. That's one. I, I think I needed to hear that right now. Like, I, I feel like I have an ideal version of me and I'm very far from it. And I think being now, I'm, if I'm more conscious of that specific fact is like, I think there are times where obviously like I'm okay with being uncomfortable, but I don't think I was okay enough with it. Mm-hmm. I think if things were too big of a change and it was too uncomfortable, then I would be like, oh, it's probably not worth it then. Mm-hmm. Cause my mindset would be like, I'm uncomfortable because it's wrong. But that's not necessarily true. But and I think I mean sometimes it is. But, I mean, but trust your gut. Like if the change you're making is like, I'm gonna start tr- driving through school zones at 60 to see if I hit kids. It's uncomfortable. I might get pulled over. I might kill a kid. <laughs> but like it's a change. It should be uncomfortable. That's probably not. Yeah. You're probably missing the point. But continue. Yeah. Well, I mean that that was really all I had was like I I needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. Also, in addition to my be kind, I think the biggest person to be kind to is yourself. And I think it's one lesson I don't I don't do well at all. I am I am I set my standards higher than anyone else sets them for me. Mm-hmm. I am the harder I'm harder on myself than anyone else is. I like all of these things, but it's still true. Like I still know that I I'm the only person I am with all the time. Even if I'm if I'm with other people almost all the time, there is no one I'm with more than myself for sure. And so if I'm hard on myself, then I'm gonna expect that from other people, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna look on myself and I think being critical and being kind can be the same thing those those aren't mutually exclusive I can be critical and be like oh I need to study more for the Spanish test I need to make this adjustment for this thing and that thing but I need to be kind in doing it I can't be like you suck because you didn't do a Spanish thing yeah you're you're bad at this because you didn't do this and because that's just too far that's not gonna be productive that's just gonna make you like be harder on yourself for no reason and I think you can't be kind to other people until you're kind to yourself either. Like, or at least not kind enough. Like, I think there are times where if I'm hard on myself, then I start using that lens on other people. Mm-hmm. And I start being so conscious of all the things they've messed up mm-hmm. and things they're doing wrong. When I'm, I mean, it's only because I'm doing it to myself. Those people, whoever it is, and what I, I don't even have a specific scenario, but I'm only hard on them because I'm conscious of what I have been doing wrong. Well, the only the only person you should aim to be better than is the person that you were the day before, because at the end of the day, you can always find a person who maybe you can always compare yourself to someone who's below you uh, and be like, well, they only did this today and I did that and I did this, too. So I did better than them. Let's go. Great day. Yeah. You can also find someone who did more than you. You know, I only did this, this, and that, and they did. They were up from 4 a.m. to 4, you know, or to 4 They were up 24 hours straight going. Yeah. They were doing all this. They're just so much better than me. But at the end of the day, you it, self-love, and that ties in with you need to credit yourself for what you do accomplish. I mean, I think waking up every day is something to be proud of because there's 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 been times where, you know, when, when demons are dark, where you, you just don't know what the next day is going to look like. So yeah. just, you know, waking up, getting out of bed, interacting with people just on a daily basis that's something to hold yourself to i think so i think our society is so focused on like results results you know what did you do you know what job do you have how much money do you make things like that that we don't take the time to celebrate like you know if if you were going through a dark path mentally and all you've done in the last month is just get help get your head right that's that's the probably the best month of your life really because how can you how can you do anything you want to do if you don't have your head right yeah you know I, i i had a really good friend back home who went to college for a semester and chose to drop out and and he was just you know when him and I were talking about it 
He's, he just kept, you know, I'm a failure. I, I, I'm going to be 19. I'm going to, I'm going to be 20 next year. I have no plan. What am I? And I finally was like, if all this year is, is the year that you just get your head right and can figure some stuff out about yourself, how are you going to feel in 10 years when you look back at all the progress you made this yeah. year? And when I, and when I said that, he was like, well, you know, that's a really good way. I was like, you know, celebrate small things and, and don't hold yourself to standards that are impossible. Set goals, set high goals, but reward yourself along the way. If your goal is to, to, Let's say Jace Bleed wants to bench press 225 pounds. He talked about that in the last podcast. Yeah. Well, when you hit 155, celebrate that. Yeah. When you hit 175, celebrate that. When you hit one, you know, obviously the goal at the end of the day is 225 and you're not there. But if you're making progress, if, if you're trying, if you're putting in genuine effort, you need to celebrate those things. And too often our society is, well, you didn't get the results, so why do you care? You failed. Yeah. And that's just not true. There's a process. Respect the process. Trust the process if you're Joel Embiid. <laughs> Yeah, I think the biggest thing with my high expectations is not changing those, but setting expectations between where I am and there. Because mm-hmm. if I, I if I have one goal and it's super high and I don't reach it, all I know is I didn't reach my goal. Mm-hmm. But if I have this end result, but I have 10 ways to get there and I get through step seven and I'm almost done with eight, I got 80% of what I want it done. Mm-hmm. And like I can still be like, all right, I'm almost there. And like, mm-hmm. congrats. But then I'm still conscious of what I need to do. And like there are days... I am proud of myself for getting out of bed. No. There are days where it's like, I like I've started making my bed in the morning as like consciously that's the first thing I do. Like I always made my bed. Mm-hmm. Well, I usually made my bed, but like I will get out, I will put my slides on, and I will turn around and I'll make my bed because then I leave for class, I come back, and even if that class is stressful, I walk into my room, I go, well, look at that, my mm-hmm. my comforter is straight yeah. instead of balled up how mm-hmm. it was, and like I'm I'm happy about that, and so I think. I have got an incredible amount of room to improve, but I have made a lot of little changes and most of them are being kind to myself. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think the next step now is to be uncomfortable because yeah. I, cause I have gotten extremely, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with myself. And I think that is a first step because if I tried to make change too quickly and I'm uncomfortable with the change and I'm not even comfortable with myself, like where am I supposed to go where I am mm-hmm. comfortable? Mm-hmm. But now I'm, I'm com- I know who I am and I am proud of that person. Right. So now when I try to make these small changes, I have those things to fall back onto. I totally agree. And and in regards to, you know, I, I did say get comfortable being uncomfortable, but that does come with a certain level of you have to have a, a some place, something that you can fall back on after just crazy. Like you can't just always be uncomfortable. You need some sort of a, whether it's a friend group, a, uh, an activity, um, just driving around, you need some sort of outlet for when, okay, because you can only be uncomfortable so long, and that's why change is so hard, because it's just a constant sense of this isn't what's easy, mm-hmm. this isn't what's comfortable. But if you, when you get just to the point where you think, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't wanna do this anymore, I'm done with this change, go back to that, that place that has nothing to do with this change, that place where it's always been comforting, and, and, and find comfort. I mean, if you're trying to change a whole degree of your mannerism, and it doesn't happen in the first week, don't write it off as a failure. Just try your best for a week, and if it doesn't go well, go back to where you started, Find that place of comfort where you're comfortable and then and then come back and try again. And, and hopefully you just get a little bit better. And like I said, if, if a life change, if you look back at a year of your life and you're able to totally change your mindset or, or change your the way you perceive things or how you handle situations and all it took was a year out of an 85-year life, I mean, that's, that's massive W, really. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, seriously, because I think we get so wrapped up in, okay, so what did you do this year? What are your results? Did you make money? Did you... 
Did you get bigger in the gym? Did you get a girlfriend? Did you get a boyfriend? Did you fix it with that friendship? Did you, did you and your mom fix things? Did you and your parents fix things? Whatever it is. But so you're looking at all these other things you're trying to fix, but you're never working on yourself and, and getting, you know, getting yourself to a place where you can make changes. Because like Spencer said, if you're not comfortable with yourself, how in the heck can you expect to go out and be uncomfortable as, a, as, a, as almost a habit, get in the habit of being uncomfortable if you don't have a place where you can come back to and be like, this is home. This is where I'm. I'm comforted. This is where I can recharge, and you know, fill my cup back up, if you will, before yeah. I go out and do it all again. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think this is a great place to end it. I think that's very motivational ending for anyone listening. So as we head out, you guys remember three things: have a purpose, be kind, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Garrett, thank you for being on this week. Hope everyone has a good rest of their day. Thank you so much. See you guys.